get your game right, get your mind right. It's a beautiful day to be alive. I'm super excited to have Kurt David on the show today. Kurt is a, is a former athlete, professional basketball player in Europe. Uh, he's went on to become an administrator in schools, uh, done a lot of work with, with youth and kids. Uh, then he, he kind of went down a new path that's very interesting, and uh, it's interviewing. He interviews former professional athletes about what they're doing uh, today. He does a lot of speaking engagements. He's a, a great speaker, a motivator. Uh, he's an Emmy award-winning TV show host uh, fl from Glory Days. Kurt, is there anything that you haven't uh, accomplished yet? Uh, I haven't played Major League Baseball, Andy. <laughs> well, you got a book published, too, so I forgot to add that one in there. But needless to say, we're super excited to have him. You know, Kurt, uh, what you do is pretty unique, and, and what, what you, you have availability to is unique. And you've worked hard to interview dozens uh, of professional athletes. You know, not many people have sat down and actually went in depth and had intimate conversations with that many guys who played at a high level. Uh, what's what's a few things that that you picked up and and some commonalities you might have seen in in all these different guys in different sports uh, that you've interviewed? No, no, that's a great question, Andy. And first of all, I'm very honored to be uh, sitting here with you and, and speaking about this. I mean, here you are, a small town guy, uh, accomplished your dream as a major league baseball player through a lot of hard work that you've done, and then also making good afterwards. And that's uh, one of the things we want to focus on with the, my book as well as my TV show is to focus on not just the, the accolades and the glory days, so to speak, but what happens after those glory days? Because those exit stats are pretty sobering for pro athletes as far as the challenges mm -hmm. that come along with bankruptcy and divorces and you've able to overcome and, and uh, you know, recreate your success, which, which is what we want to focus on and why you've been a, a featured on the show as well. And so, you know, to answer your question, Andy, <clears throat> we've done 48 TV interviews now. And each of them are unique. Even though we might ask the same questions, each athlete goes through their own journey. And, you know, we talk about the glory days. We talk about the Hall of Fame status, the All-Star, the World Championship, the World Series Championship. But then we get into that transition. And more importantly, we finish up talking about, well, what are you doing now? And how, how did you recreate your success? And we have found a pattern. We've definitely found a commonality for the athletes that have success again yeah i would and, say just uh, go for it i mean it's, the, it. the whole purpose of get your game right is to try to help people succeed at a high level and and obviously if you see a pattern that's kind of developing on what people are doing after sports because let's face it most of the the kids that either use my program or, or dads that are in the program or moms or whoever aren't gonna make it to the big leagues even right and i always warn people if you really want to create a very good baseball player or a really good basketball player, and they have some skill to do that, you can create a pretty good player. I just don't want whoever it is to, that's all they, they are. So when they're done playing you, yeah, you did a great job creating a phenomenal baseball player and he played at a division one level and maybe played in pro ball a little bit. But when he's done with that, is that all he is, is a baseball player. So if you could speak to some of those patterns that you've seen, this might help give some ideas of things they might need to do before they need to hit that transition. Absolutely, yeah, because what the, what's the second plan, right? I mean, first of all, Andy, you hit it right on. I mean, less than one-tenth of one percent of high school athletes will play professional. I mean, think about that for a moment. Less than one-tenth of one percent 
high school athletes will play professional. Just that alone. And then the NCA released some stats uh, a few years back talking about Division One athletes, <clears throat> excuse me, Division One athletes for different sports and what the percentage of them playing professional was. And I, I don't remember each sport, but I remember one of them being like 1.7%. Mm -hmm. And again, this is Division One athletes, 1.7% making it to the pro ranks. I mean, uh, so, so the odds are astronomical. And let's say you are lucky enough and, and uh, you know, work hard enough and find the right situation that you do play pro. 100% of professional athletes yep. at some point are done. Undeniable fact, right? Most of the time, most of the time, it's not by choice. Every once in a while, you'll have an athlete that walks away on their own terms. Most of the time, it's not. And so 100% at some point are done. And so even, you know, even at a pro athlete, you're going to find your, your exit at some point. And I don't know if you know the exit stats or not. They were released. There was a big article in Sports Illustrated some years back to talk about the exit stats. And I think it's worth understanding that uh, even for young athletes, understand mm -hmm. that 25% of NFL players within the first year are broke. 78% of NFL players within the second year out are broke. 60% of NBA players within five years are broke. And there's an 80% divorce rate. From job loss to, loss to disaster, that can be the reality for pro athletes. And so it's not just the glory days of getting to that level. It's, boy, you know, how am I preparing for the life after pro sports? Because it's going to happen at some point, no question about it. And that's why we're so excited about featuring athletes that have found success again after pro sports. Because we want to get that out there and talk about those commonalities, which let's get into that, I guess, now, Andy. Let's talk about the commonalities. And so through my research uh, from interviewing athletes for the book as well as interviewing them for the TV show, I discovered that there was five commonalities that the athletes that had success, they consistently did. In fact, what's great about this is it's not, it, it just can't apply, this doesn't apply to sports. It can apply to real life as well. Anybody going through a transition and change, in fact, I use these five commonalities when I speak to corporations and companies that are going through transition and change because they can apply to those companies, to individuals as well. And so that's what's exciting about it. It's not just for athletes, but it's for anybody going through a change. I'm excited. So I want to hear these. You ready to get into these five commonalities, Andy? Yeah, yeah. So I, being a simple-minded guy, I created an acronym uh, just to help remember what these five commonalities were. And that acronym is RULES, R-U-L-E-S. Uh, that just helps me remember what those five commonalities are. And, and, you know, everybody has rules. We have rules in the game and sports. We have family rules. We have, mm -hmm. you know, rules of life. We have all sorts of rules. So it just made sense. And each letter stands for something. Each letter means something. So the letter R stands for refocus. What I found, Andy, was that athletes and anybody going through a transition that had a refocus were able to help their transition. In other words, what I mean by that is they, they evaluated their current goals and set new goals. That was a refocus. And by doing so, they recreate that new passion and purpose in their life. Right? Think about your life and as an example. There had to be a refocus at some point that you refocused from being a major league baseball player yeah, into definitely. the next life, right? Into the next phase of your life. And so, yeah, and during that refocus, it recreated new passion into your life as a result by setting those new goals. And so that's very important for anybody going through the transition is saying, what are my current goals and what are my new goals? And, you know, start looking at those and that's where we get that excitement again in our life which is so difficult because sometimes as an athlete when you're coming out it's hard to find and what's your, what's your purpose get. you know it's you know, like boy, nothing replaces thing that this. i see a lot of what guys can I do to... uh, struggle with uh, and any aspects of life is what is my purpose here like where what am i what's going to fulfill me what's going to fill me up a little bit because it was baseball it was that life for a long time now i got to find something 
that's completely different because even if you go on coaching and, and scouting, which some guys do, those jobs are very limited. So in reality, you're going to have to go out and find something that's outside the game. Yes. Yeah, or broadcasting, let them try to get into broadcasting yeah, to stay yeah, with exactly. the game. But like it's you said, there's limited. only one of those per city, right? And so it's like, oh, not, not very good. Yeah. Yeah, probably even more difficult than playing pro sports, to be honest, as far as the athlete getting into something like that. But exactly right. Mm-hmm. Part of that refocus is the purpose and the and the refocus of once they need to transition from their sport or into a different occupation. Yeah, whatever it is, as a pro athlete, as a uh, homemaker, as a builder, whatever it is that you do, if you have a transition in your life, that refocus is the most important part. The next letter is the word uh, letter U, which stands for using your network. Most people, especially professional athletes, have a vast network of people around them, right? And mm-hmm. in that network is strategically to say, who in my network can help me accomplish the goals and the refocus and the purpose that I have in my life? Now, one of the things I want to qualify, Andy, is that when we talk about this, I want to make sure people understand. I'm not talking about using and abusing people. I mm-hmm. just use somebody for the sake of accomplishing my goals. I don't believe in that whatsoever. In fact, tapping into that number to create a win-win relationship with somebody who can strategically help you accomplish those goals. As an example, were there people in transition that you tapped into or you know, reached out to to help with that transition, in your opinion? Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I, I think this all starts from principles that you live by as far as uh, being a good teammate, being around other people, being involved in other people's lives. Uh, you know, for me, obviously, when I got into the real estate business, it's, it's nice to have uh, contacts in, in Detroit and then reaching out. And I have, it's a door that is easily opened. So people know that I was a, a major league baseball player. So just like with your show, I get, I get exposure on your show because I do have uh, a credentials in my background of success, things of that nature. I think people are more apt to say, okay, maybe uh, he hasn't been in real estate for the last 10 years, but it's not his fault because he was playing Major League Baseball. He right. was doing something productive with his life. So now that he's transitioning into real estate, uh, they're likely to say, I think that work ethic is going to play well into real estate. That's number one. And I, I think a lot of people... Uh, don't understand that aspect. And then also understanding that every person that you come into contact with, if you can find a way to help them, inevitably at some point, they will want to find a way to help you too. And I think that that's kind of the beauty of those interpersonal relationships like you're talking about. It's not using and abusing. You always have something to give somebody, uh, whether you think you do or not. You know, a lot of the people that have helped me, you've never even played baseball. But they, they're, they're wanting to help me because they see uh, some passion and some drive. And obviously playing baseball, people are attracted to that. So it's, a, it's an easy end for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's that win-win. I'll give you another example too, Andy. There, you know, there's a couple of Red Wing players that I interviewed, Detroit Red Wing players, that they went into the financial advising business after they were done playing hockey. And right away, it's tapped into their vast network of people they knew and say, hey, guess what I'm doing now, right? Yeah, I'm no longer playing hockey or winning Stanley Cups but I'm doing this and that was, you know, tapping into their vast network helped them to accelerate their business quicker as a result. And well, so that's and, the, yeah, with my get your game right business, without what I've done in the past, I couldn't do this the way I'm doing it. There's just no way. Nobody, somebody that didn't play in the major leagues doesn't have the amount of resources to contacts to the knowledge that are willing to sit down and talk about it. Mm, yes, that's a good point. 
really good point because you have a vast network of other people too you can tap into as well that have been there and understand it. And That's so, right. well, the next letter L in the word rules, are you L-E-S? The next letter L is bar none, the most difficult, especially for professional athletes to do, and that's let go. Part mm -hmm. of having success in transition is letting go of the fact that I'm no longer a professional athlete, right? I'm no longer a baseball player. I'm no longer a basketball player. I'm no longer the CEO of a company, whatever that transition is. Letting that go helps accelerate that. And, and, and let me give you a great example. I had somebody who won a gold, a bronze medal in the Olympics in 2008 in Beijing. They called me up afterwards and said, hey, I heard you work with people in transition and athletes. And he says, I'm not sure what I want to do. And so literally for six months, he and I went back and forth. He was down in Houston, Texas. He and I go back and forth about, well, you're going to let go. You know, what do you want to do? And we tried to walk through the process of refocusing, using network. We couldn't get that far because he just couldn't let go of the fact that I don't know if I want to continue to be a world-class athlete. But after about six months of dialogue and conversation, he finally said, yeah, I'm let it go. I'm not going to come in another four years. And then, boom, he was able to move from there. In contrast, I sat down with somebody who had released – the Tigers after spring training he was a pitcher and he was released after spring training I sat down with him and went through this process and within a week he was like I'm done I'm not a pro athlete anymore and boom he took right off and so everybody's different right everybody go time to go let it go unfortunately and you probably see it too we see those athletes that hang on way too long right they don't go soon enough you continue to try to keep playing different levels or different teams and it just you know it doesn't make for a good ending for that so you know the sooner you can let go whether it be as an athlete or anybody the better that transition can be and uh, you know some of that for me comes down to just humbling yourself understanding that yeah that was a really cool occupation but it's still just a job and athletes as a whole are human beings it's not like just because you're a professional athlete somehow your status in life and your, your meaning or purpose in life is way above somebody else's. And that's where a lot of guys get hung up because you do get some of the, the gratification of other people wanting to be around you, your training. Uh, but if your body breaks down for, for me, you know, having two back surgeries, it took me probably about a year and a half uh, to want to get back into anything baseball related at all. I just mm -hmm. needed a break. I needed a mental break from the game. Uh, mm. it, you know, you see your buddy still playing and it, it, it's not fun, but it's also something you got to realize, okay, what's, am I just going to quit in life? And that was all I'm ever going to be. I think that you, if you can look at yourself and understand for guys to let go, that I have a way bigger meaning and purpose here and I can help a lot of people and I can do a lot of great things that aren't on the field of play. Yeah, and it, you just nailed it. I think that is that what helped you was you had that bigger purpose, that bigger vision that, hey, I'm not just a baseball player. That helped you let go of it, correct? That's right. And what's funny is it took me about five years when I was done. I mean, first of all, I always want to qualify. My career was pale in comparison to the athletes I sit down with, right, Andy? I mean, I'm sitting down with Hall of Famers, All-Stars, Golden Club runner-up like you. And, and it's like, so my career was pale. But it took me about five years to relax after I was done playing, because I had the feeling like I was in competition with everybody, right? I mean, in sports, you're in constant competition, not just with the opponents, but you're competing with your playing time and getting better with yourself. You know, get, you're competing with yourself to get better. So it's you're constantly competing. And so it took me about five years to relax to the point that, you know, I'm still in competition in this world, in the real world, but it's not the same level of 
works in my opinion. Does that make sense? That makes sense completely. Oh, I think another thing uh, that, that especially if you've made it to the highest level or a very high level in something, you're surrounded by other high level people. Uh, I think sometimes there can be that fear factor of how do I start this from scratch and get back mm -hmm. to such a high level and the next thing that I'm going to do. I think once you realize that being at such a high level is going to promote things in your life like work, work ethic and, and learning how to deal with some failures that other people aren't quite as equipped to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, for me in my real estate business, I've been able to grow fairly fast just based on understanding that, you know, I'm going to be the best that I can be quicker than most because I want to get to the highest level possible sooner than later. It's like going through the minors, right? You're, you're working your way up to, to double A to triple A and eventually to the big leagues as a result. Yeah. And I think you can streamline it uh, based off of percentages, like you talked about before, of athletes who make it. I think if you take that on the grand scheme of, of any, any uh, business or occupation, advancement is there if you want to go get it. You know, if you're willing to, to put in what it takes and make the sacrifices the same way as you did in your sports life, those, those are where you're going to find your advancements by doing more than the person next to you and doing it at a, at a higher level. Yeah, and I think between the lines, what you're saying, too, is there is no, no overnight success, right? No, and, yeah. So you you got to work at it. you got to stay with it. you got to be smart with it. You have to understand that, you know, this overnight wealth, people can have overnight wealth through a lottery or through, a, you know, a signing with professional sports. You can have overnight wealth, but you, there's no overnight success. Everything takes time, and I think it's more difficult in today's society because everything is so instant, right? We want, we want it now, right? It's like, yeah. hey, what do we do? And so it's so difficult to understand. It's delayed gratification, right? What I do today is not going to benefit me for another six months or maybe even two years, right? And so understanding that ethic. So it took me, so starting my real estate business and even having a name when I came back and started my real estate company in Michigan, it took me six months to make my first residential sale. Mm. And I was mm. working full time for that entire six months. Wow. I was up late learning everything I could. And I think part of that reason is I didn't want to just go in and sell people until I knew what I was doing. It's the preparation mm -hmm. factor, you know, with getting the confidence, okay, this is what I need to do. And then go out and find people who need help buying and selling houses. You know, so, so I think that's so important, especially for our young listeners, Andy, that they understand that it, here you were, you played major league baseball, highest level of baseball that you can play. When you came out, you understood the fact that, you know what, I'm going to get into this and I want to have success in order to do it right. I want to do it in order to do it. I want to do it right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it took you six months from the time you started. I mean, you could have easily gone out and just made a sale or try to do something, but you wanted to make sure you did it right and learn it right and execute it right. Is right. And here's the difference. So, uh, you know, if I would have started selling right away and just running around like a chicken with my head cut off, it wouldn't have allowed, allowed me. So I went first sell. Uh, it took me six months to get the first sale. And then it took me another two months to really start doing a lot of sales. And then what mm -hmm. happened was just by doing such a good job and understanding the processes of the business and the right way to run it, you know, next thing I know I'm doing 5 million of sales in the next four months, uh, which, wow. is, which is, is pretty good considering your, your, yeah. your first year in, in an agent. If you break those numbers down, it's a, it's a big number over the course of what will be, the rest of this year going into next year. So I have a key question for you, Andy, which probably leads into our next letter, E. What prevented you from giving up 
during that six months, that eight months when you transitioned and we're doing this, what prevented you from giving up saying, well, I just, I can't do this. I guess, I, you know, I'm not meant to this. I, I haven't made a sale. It's been five months. It's been six months. What prevented you from quitting at that point? It was understanding that it, it is a process. And the people, which, what I saw, what I did was basically, okay, here are people that are having the type of success that I would like to have. Then, then what I do is I say, okay, how long did it take them to do that? And I ask them. I go in and I ask people who are open. And, and most of the people that are successful in the real estate business, I'm talking the, the, you know, the top 5% in sales, they're wide open books. There's, not, there's no tricks. There's no gimmicks. There's no like, easy route to, to being good in real estate. It takes time to develop. And it takes time to start seeing those. So what I did was I decided I know that I'm going to be good at this. Uh, reasons being my personality type, things like that. And I always tell people, okay, what's your skill sets? Uh, how can we play off your skill sets? You know, and, and I think real estate aligns pretty well with, with most of my skill sets. So right there, I know, okay, based off my skill sets, all I have to do then is refine them into uh, uh, an economy, into an environment to add value to people at a high level and seeing other people succeed before me and seeing what they did. I knew if I stuck to that process, what I was thinking was, okay, I can do what they did, but I can accelerate it at a higher level through learning more early. Mm -hmm. So by learning and really by understanding the business, it gives you confidence. And I, I just kept gaining confidence, even though I didn't have a sell and you see other people who are selling stuff. You got to remember that person's been doing it for 10 years, 12, 15 years. They have a network buildup of referral bases and things like that. I didn't have that yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was building it. I could see it building every day and I knew, okay, this is a person who next year is probably going to sell their house with me and buy another one with me. Mm -hmm. And understanding that it's my pipeline is building out because the things I do in real estate today, I'm not going to see a profit from in about eight months to a year. Yeah, it could be delayed gratification that we're talking about, right? It's and that's going to be overnight. That's what stuck me to the process is understanding, okay, I'm building up this client base that in the future are going to use me. I have to stay in contact with them and do a good job for uh, other people around them so they can see he, he is doing a great job. He's trying hard at this. That helped me stay the process, understanding the results going to take a little time. And if I'm willing to put in the effort before, I know the reward's going to be there. I think anything in life, if you're diligent and day in and day out doing things to be successful in it, the reward's going to be there. <laughs> well, Andy, I'm laughing because you just hit the last two aspects of my rules for transition, right? I mean, the, there's an E and an S left, and the E stands for execute. And what that means is understanding that this is a process. You just nailed it. This is a process. It's not an overnight event. You have to continue to refocus, have to continue to use that network. You have to continue to let go and move on from not just your, your failures, but your championships too, right? Sometimes it's difficult to say, hey, I just made this big sale. Okay, great. You know, what are you doing tomorrow? And, and yeah. so- I'm a history buff, and I, you know, and during the Roman Empire, I like using this story because I'm a history buff. During the Roman Empire, when the Roman generals would come home from conquering a foreign land, they had these big parades, and they were equivalent to like a Super Bowl parade to us today, right? In other words, the home team's coming home, it's, you know, they just chant you, they would just win this championship, and so these Roman generals would come home, and these parades were so big for them back in Rome that they would have these chariots, their whole family would be dressed in white and come along in the chariots with them. But in history, you can read this. As they're going through these big parades and getting all these accolades for, you know, these conquering lands that they've had, 
the generals are hearing somebody chirp in their ear the whole time, all glory is fleeting. All glory is fleeting. In other words, great. Okay, you did that. Now what? Right? You got to continue to execute over and over. You made a great sale in real estate. Great. So what? What's next? Right? That's right. And so, and so just executing over and over. What I found is that high caliber world-class athletes and anybody going through a transition continue to execute over and over and over again to continue to have their success. I'll give you another great example. There's a gentleman that I interviewed that he was a high school All-American out of Washington, D.C. in basketball, right? Considered one of the best high school players in America in high school. Then he went on to become a college All-American at Syracuse University, went on and had a great career. He was the number one draft pick by the Pistons. He became an NBA Hall of Famer, right? Mm -hmm. He built a $500 million a year business, and then he eventually became the mayor of Detroit. And Dave Bing eventually, you know, over and over again, kept recreating his success. He could have easily rested on his laurels. Hey, I'm a high school All-American, or I'm a college All-American, or I'm an NBA Hall of Famer. But he continued to recreate his success over and over again. And even to this day, he's not in politics anymore, but he's recreating his success by literally helping kids, inner city kids and mentoring kids. So, you know, those people that have great success continue to execute over and over in this process and I think you nailed it it's a process it's not just a one and done deal to continue to do that and so that's the E in the rules acronym the S stands for something you've talked about as well and that's someone what I found Andy is that people in transition especially high caliber athletes found someone a mentor so to speak to help them to say hey you're, you're where I want to go how do I get there uh, you know it, it sounds like you had one or two of those mentors that you were learning from right during your process definitely and so how did they help you? What, what, would, what are those mentors that someone, so to speak, do to help accelerate your process? So the first thing I did when I moved my real estate business from Kansas back to Detroit, uh, I understood that in order to be successful, I needed to find people who were already successful and that were open, right? That were open to telling me, okay, what did you do to become successful? Now, now with that said, not every single thing that somebody else is going to do is going to maybe work for you just based on personality types, different, different, uh, differences in your businesses, right? What, but so I interviewed at a couple different brokerages and as much as I interviewed the brokerage, I walked around and saw how the agents interacted. You know, some of the brokerage, uh, brokerages here, there was no agents in the office. Everybody just worked from home. And that was kind of alarming just because how am I going to pick somebody's brain if I'm not there with them and build a relationship with them? Mm -hmm. And so right away I connected, uh, to, uh, one agent in particular, Donna Sanford, who created a $30, $30 million a year business in about five years, six years. Wow. Uh, her, her, she was, and she transitioned. She had a huge transition. She was a GM executive and had went all over the world uh, being the manager of uh, factories and facilities that they had, you know, in England and all these places. But she hit a point to where she was just not satisfied with that corporate lifestyle anymore she wanted a little more freedom to do her own thing to be in charge of her own destiny she got into real estate and went full bore at it and created a a really nice business very quickly so right there i'm like this is my girl you know how did you do it and she broke it down basically step by step this is what i did to grow this business and how and run it at a high level and she gave me access to things like open houses on her listing properties and without her, I wouldn't have been able to develop my business as fast as I have. Mm. 
So again, that mentor, that someone that helps you accelerate that and learn from, and you've been there, you know, you're, you know, you've transitioned from one position to another and here you are having great success. And how did you do it? Yeah. And it's, it's basically what you hit every part that you hit there makes, makes sense and will work for anybody. I think the willingness for a person and they think that they're bugging people or whatever, especially that last one, find somebody mm -hmm who's done what you want to do and approach them. And they, they, you're not going to get, you, you're not just going to sit down. Like you said, it's not about using them and abusing them. It's like, how can I help them? Maybe I can run a sign over to a house for do different things to help her. Right. And in turn, did, she's giving me tons of value. Great to win one. I'll give you another great example. There's somebody I interviewed for the TV show as well as in my book that he was, a, you know, he, he won a national championship at Michigan State back with Magic Johnson. Right. And that might tell you who it was already. But anyway, this guy played in the NBA, had some injuries. But before he was done playing, he just loved TV. It's like something about TV I just really loved. And he started hanging out with two guys in particular here in Detroit. Whenever he was home, when he wasn't on the road, he says, Hey, can I just come into the studio and just watch you guys and work for you guys? And so he did that for about three, four years, watching them while he was still playing, right? And learning from them. And now as a result, Greg Kelser says, Eighth year of TV broadcasting from the NBA. Yeah. Uh, even when he was still playing, he knew that that's what he wanted. And he had one or two people that helped him and mentored him along the way, like you as well. That transition is so important. Are you LES? Those are the five commonalities of success that I found that not just world class athletes, but anybody in transition, if you apply those five things, you can recreate your success again at a very high level. And that, that works on all, every aspect of life. And I would say yeah, even if even if you haven't even if you haven't uh, had a, a transition in life, you can just get rid of maybe the letting go one, uh, and and just do the refocus and the rest of them. You know, yeah, you, you or maybe success. maybe your maybe your let go is some animosity you have towards your company or your business, and you're letting them dictate you performing at a lower level than you should be. When if you if you're not so worried about their critiques and things, and you're really just refocus. Okay, what can I do to get better? Uh, for myself in this business and how can I make my, make my day-to-day -day work more productive, people will notice that. Absolutely. And even the letting go, it could be, you know, an attitude. It could be something yeah. as simple as I can't do this, right? Letting go of that. I know you can do this, right? Yeah. And, so it could be, and, and I always say it's harder to get to stay on top of the mountain than it is to get on to the top of the mountain. In other words, sometimes it's the successes that we have to let go of to move forward, right? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, great success you got to let go of that and keep moving, keep executing over and, and over again. And create multiple successes. <laughs> different capacities or whatever it is. And so, I mean, in the real estate world, you are constantly having to let go. Okay, I made a sale. Great. Now what? Right? You know, and they, yeah. you can celebrate, right? It's like, you can let go. Of okay, boy, I made my top 5% this year. All right. Woo, you know. But you got to so do it again. And really, if you're if anything in life if you're not getting better and you're not trying to achieve more, you're, you're regressing. Absolutely. There's no way you can just kind of, okay, you know, I got here, I proved it once and now I can just kind of live off that, that success that I had and everybody will just come to me. It doesn't work that way. Not in anything. You have to keep progressing and keep bettering yourself on a daily basis. The famous saying in business is I'm either growing or dying, right? Yeah. It's one of those two. And so, you know, if I could share a little bit about me, about my purpose, so to speak, because that's what, you know, 
motivates me to do this on a daily basis and to, to be a keynote speaker and interview world-class athletes is I discovered a while ago that my purpose was to serve God and serve others. I mean, that's just, bottom line, that's what I do. And if it fits in that mold, if it fits in that lane, I'm all about it. One of the things I realize is that I like to inspire others through the stories of world-class athletes that have found a life of significance. In other words, it's not just being a world-class athlete and, okay, great, you know, you accomplish this, so what, right? Mm -hmm. How are you living a life of significance? And, and the way I find that a lot of these athletes, you included, Andy, are finding a life of significance is you're recreating that success. You're showing people that, hey, you know what? This was great, but I can recreate that success and understand that it's a different attitude. And everything you said talked about how it's humbling, right? I mean, just how many people can do that, right? A lot of people can't. I mean, believe it or not, it's easy for you and I, perhaps, but it's hard. Some people have a hard time getting away with like, hey, I'm no longer pro athlete. They want to be their whole life a pro athlete, right? Yeah. And so you've met those people too. I mean, and so my goal is to inspire others through the stories of high world class athletes, Hall of Fame, world star, you know, world champion, all star athletes who live a life of significance. That's what we look to do. And when I speak, I look to inspire people through other stories, whether it be about athletes or about something else that inspires people. Uh, you know, they get plenty of stories in the world of people that have overcome and, and done great things. Um, and so applying those stories to people's real lives, I think that's what I, that's what I enjoy and that's what I do on a daily basis. And right there, what that's doing is it, it's not only taking a ton of pressure off of you, by saying, I'm going to approach this not as what can I get out of it, and I need to make X amount of money. And that's, if your goals are monetary and your goals are things of materialistic value, your purpose dwindles. And that's the same way in, in my business. If I know that if I help enough people achieve what they want, the rewards are there. I'm not worried about the end result. And that's if you, if you look at it that way. So if I'm making phone calls, to people that I don't know, because 95% of my business in real estate, or more than that even, is people that I've never met yet. Like, I, I don't have a personal relationship already built with them because I didn't go to high school in the area. You know, I played for the Tigers. I've had closings where the other agent was like, oh, it's so cool you played for the Tigers. My clients didn't even know I played for the Tigers. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you look at it as, as, okay, all I'm trying to do is help these people in, in a time where it's a very stressful situation. I know a lot about it. I know how to get them from point A to point B in a very efficient manner and give them all the tools they need along the way to make it a very stress-free, uh, easy as possible transaction while they're selling and buying houses. And what I found is by looking at it that way, I'm way more likely to make a phone call because I'm literally trying to help. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not making a phone call to saying, okay, if I make 200 phone calls today, and I get one client, that's going to translate into, uh, you know, X amount of money for me. If I do it that way, you're not building relationships. You're not really helping people to the full extent. I've built my business way faster by when I get into uh, a relationship with somebody and they see really what I'm trying to do is help and genuinely trying to help. And it takes a little bit to build that trust, right? But if you go at it with that attitude, you're way more likely to, to contact more people get more involved in their lives and the end result is much better. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Listen, Andy, I mean, money's great. Titles are great. Positions are great. But the real value in life, in my opinion, is changing people's lives, helping people. That's where the value comes from. 
you know, you just nailed it. To me, I heard a best-selling author, uh, best-selling author, Chris Brady, once say, wealth always finds excellence, right? Wealth always finds excellence. And so creating excellence. So in other words, the money is a byproduct of creating excellence. And that's what you're looking to do. That's right. You know, and, and so for you, uh, now that you have, you've got two older daughters and a young son, <laughs> So you've yes. kind of, you've parented your, your daughters up to, how old are your daughters now? 16 and 10. Yeah. 16 and 10. And then your son's how old? One year old. Yeah. So my wife and I, we have 16 year old daughter, 10 year old daughter, and we had a one year old surprise gift last year. So, uh, you know, we joke about it. It's like, well, God doesn't make mistakes, but I think he's got a sense of humor in our case. And, <laughs> and it's it changed our life in a, in a positive and as well in a challenging way. Right. I mean, we had no baby stuff or anything. I was like, Lord. And I always qualify too, Andy, same wife, right? 16-year-old, 10-year-old, and one year all with the same wife, right? Yeah, yeah, so, that's, an, that's impressive. Uh, so basically going through those transitions, this is a huge transition for you. Huge. And, you know, you're breaking it down. And I, I'm sure that with your son, uh, there's things that you're going to do that are maybe differently. Or, or is there going to be any difference in the approach you take with your son now having a 16-year-old daughter and kind of seeing – those stages through development uh, or is it, is it every kid oh, individual, but what, what would you say are some things that you've learned along the way uh, for, for these kids as far as encouraging them and, and help them try to achieve their goals in life? Yeah. yeah. Now you're speaking my language too, because 28 years, you know, working in the schools, I was a school counselor for most of those. And so I worked in elementary and middle school most of the time. I did some varsity coaching, you know, basketball coaching for a while, but, you know, helping kids was, was one of my hearts for a long time. It was in my heart for a long time. Not that it isn't now, but it's just in my own kids now as well. Yeah. Again. But that said, two things. One is, is I might upset some people by saying this, but just having the difference between girls and boys. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. I can see it very clearly that you know, we have girls in the house mostly, and now all of a sudden we have a boy. You know, I got to tell you, I was just happy to have a healthy baby boy or girl, but I was ecstatic to have a boy to think, this was my thing. Boy, it's going to be great. Somebody's now going to carry on the baby kind of my thinking with this and I don't want to sound sexist by saying that but for me it was for me it was just a moment of pride for that to resolve yeah that's definitely having 16 year old 10 year old and a one year old my approach to parenting is much different now in other words things that used to excite me before that I would think oh my goodness don't do that it's like oh okay well we're gonna learn you know he fell down okay well you're gonna learn not to do that again next time and that not unless it's life-threatening am I gonna intervene of course but you learn to get excited about what not to get excited about at the stage. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a maturity process, even from our first one to our second one. Uh, our first one, you're you're coddling and hovering, and then what you realize is, hey, you know they're pretty capable, and God's made them in a way that when they do fall, they're pretty resilient. Resilient, yeah, exactly. You know, unless they're running out in the middle of the street, I, I don't need to intervene all the time. You know? so, yeah. So with, with young kids, so. You, but basically, we do a lot of transition uh, talk and a lot of things uh, on this episode. Now, a young kid, when they're trying to find their path, right, which is a transition in life, uh, you know, a kid goes to high school. Uh, I, I'm a big believer that kids should try a multitude of things and, and then it kind of attach to, to not only their natural gifts, but what they enjoy doing. Uh, it helps breed success because you're more willing to overcome some failure if you really actually enjoy doing it. Uh, with that said, uh, take a kid, you know, that's 12 years old and their dream is always to play major league baseball. That's been their dream. They're going to continue that dream. 
at, at what point for a parent are we, are we helping them achieve that dream? And at what point do we hinder them by not being realistic with, with the expectations like you, you alluded to with the percentages in life? Uh, how do you kind of break through some of those barriers and say, okay, you know, really little Johnny, uh, I love that you love baseball. I love baseball, but let's not just make this just about baseball. Let's learn through these processes that we're going to go through as you get better at baseball. Is, is there a conversation or, or something that a parent you would recommend doing with a kid like that? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up, Andy. I think the biggest thing is whether it be baseball or basketball or, you know, playing in the band or, or being in drama, in choir, you know, whatever it is. I think the whole idea of a parent is to help your kid become and in, in, uh, pursue excellence. In other words, be the best that you can be and understanding that at some point you might achieve, you know, you might be at Carnegie Hall singing. You might be on a major league baseball field playing. You might be in an NBA court playing. Or you may not, right? But mm-hmm. pursue the excellent. We all have gifts based on our own abilities, right? We all have purpose based on our own gifts and abilities. And so helping a kid understand, that's probably the most difficult thing, especially as a counselor that I had to do, is helping kids identify what is your purpose and what are your gifts? What is it you're good at? Yeah, this is difficult for you, but you can get better at it, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that just, I don't want to say come natural because nothing, you, know, you have to still work even if something does come natural. You still have to work even if it is a natural tendency. And so I think one of the best things that a parent can do is helping a kid understand whatever it is, baseball, you know, a sport, a non-sport, is to pursue excellence. How do you get better at it? And then the key question you asked is at what point do you know, boy, this is when I realize it's just not going to happen, right? You mm-hmm. know, I guess, let me use you as an example, Andy, if I can. You love basketball. Right? You absolutely love basketball. In fact, I don't want to say it was your first love, but it sounded like it was one of those that was ranked right up there. Would you agree with that? Yeah. yeah baseball? Basketball. That when you were growing yeah, up, yeah, no, basketball. I love bas- basketball. Is my favorite sport to play in high school. Right. Exactly, and that's my point. Is basketball was your favorite sport? However, you had a vertical challenge that I don't have at six foot nine. Right? Yeah. And so not, not that it couldn't work for you, but certainly the odds were different than for somebody of my stature at six foot nine who had some athletic ability to have an opportunity. Right. Yeah. And the reason for bringing it up is you look at all of our gifts and abilities and say. He's a pretty good basketball player, but boy, you know, he has a better opportunity over in this area as a baseball player simply because he's already got the work ethic, he's got some strength, and size, and speed. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, looking at that and saying, boy, this is this is great, but you know, would you be playing in the NBA today? No chance. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, yeah. I tell kids all the time, and I tell kids and parents the first thing to do to get better at anything is to be very honest with yourself. And, and it, I break it down in a baseball standard of what are my skills, what kind of tasks can I achieve, and what kind of result do I want, and how can that fit into helping add value to a team? You know, for me, being a six-foot uh, uh, athlete that had decent, uh, decent physical abilities, I could run a little bit, uh, I could hit a little bit, I could do everything pretty well. But I knew that I was not going to be a 40-home-run-a-year kind of guy. And no matter how much other people wanted me to be that, I just wasn't, right? So being honest with myself helped me achieve at a higher level by being good at what abilities I had and maximizing my abilities. And I'll even take that to the kid who's on the the JV football team that wants to play on the varsity team. If you're a a skill set, if you could learn to maximize your skill set, whatever level you end up hitting is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. 
because then all you do is when you go to the next thing in life, you take that same mindset. How do I maximize my skill set over here in the working force? And I'm going to achieve the highest level I can achieve. And for some people, it's a CEO. For some people, it might be an accountant. For some, we all kind of have that different path. The people mm -hmm. who I see get the most out of sports, and we all say sports builds great character, and I wouldn't disagree with that. But what I would say is the only way it builds character is if the person is willing to fight through the adversity and achieve mm -hmm. the highest level possible at their skill set, mm -hmm. as opposed to they have a great skill set and they end up getting a college scholarship, but once they play against other guys whose skill sets match up to theirs, they're done because they can't overcome those hurdles of, okay, this guy might be better than me at some things, but how is, can my game, am I a really good shooter? You know, but I want to, I would prefer to be a slasher and a dunker because it's cool to be on ESPN and doing that. Or is my role to come in off the bench and, and score six points, you know, make a three, play good defense. And then as that role develops, say a sophomore in college, you get chances at doing what you're good at. And then your overall game can develop also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you nailed it. And, and so for, for kids growing up, the first goal is, hey, I want to make the team, right? Yep. Because as, as you get older, especially in our bigger programs, you may not make the team unless you're progressing along. Right? That's, a, that's a good first goal. Hey, I want to make the varsity team. You know, all, you and I have seen those guys that in eighth grade, they have a ton of hair on their chest and their <laughs> armpits. And they're like, a, you know, a caveman are so strong, right? It's yeah. like, oh, my goodness, i got to face this kid in eighth grade. But then two, three years later, you see where that kid still is and how much further along you are as a result. And so that's going to happen, right? You're going to always face, especially as a youth, you're going to face kids that seem daunting or like, man, this kid's like a young man already. But understanding that if you continue to work at it, like you said, you continue that process, you're eventually going to pass them up. But I think, you know, for kids to have a realistic goal you know, on parents, wise coaches and wise parents are the best thing for kids. Knowing when to push, when not to push. Kids are limited. Let's push them. They're not at their limit. You know, they can work hard. And being a wise parent and wise kid is so difficult. I mean, you and I can get into this youth sports thing right now and have another hour-long conversation. I know we could. Yeah. Uh, simply because I think everybody's geared towards, boy, if I, my kid is this at eight years old, they're guaranteed a scholarship. Yeah. You know, a scholarship. It's like, oh, man. You know, and that's, that's the kind of bill of sales I'm afraid that parents have been sold, unfortunately, and buying into it and spending lots of money in order to do so. I think a big, big issue that we do have just as a whole is parents, especially in America, we all, and now having kids, I understand it. We don't want to be the reason our kid doesn't have opportunity. So mm -hmm. as we're sifting through this life, where, 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 the, where we put our focus and our energy is trying to provide opportunities for our kids to succeed. And for, for whatever reason, maybe it, a lot of people say, well, if I would have had this opportunity, I would have went further. Uh, there's opportunity to be had. It's okay to help your kid out. But with that said, you buying a, an $800 bat versus a $500 bat when they're 10 years old isn't going to make a difference in his overall game, right? Do you actually see that? I mean, you yeah, actually yeah. see that. And, and parents will send their kids to these showcase camps, which, right. which, you know, the showcases have basically been developed as a way for kids to get seen by college scouts and pro scouts. So it's kind of mm -hmm. that one-stop shop. All they do is they go around. The kids will take a little batting practice. They throw balls across the diamond. What they're trying, and there'll be a bunch of guys with radar guns. It's basically uh, a show. Show me your talent. Show me your physical capabilities. 
I, I don't see how at all that translates in helping a kid progress developmentally wise. If anything, it probably hinders them because now they think I need to throw the ball harder as opposed to just being a good baseball player and getting better at the sport of baseball. They think that they need to be something that they're not because the guy next to them threw 90 across the diamond and they throw 80. And now all of a sudden they're already putting that stigma in that kid's head. Unless you throw 90, we're not going to like you. And I think that's very dangerous uh, to do to a kid at a young age to say, just because you don't have this tool, you're, you're not going to succeed. That's what it's telling them. And then so what they do is they go home and they throw and they throw and they throw and they want to hit 92 on the radar gun off the mound and they blow their arm out. You yeah, know? that's that's a great point. I'll give you a great example. I had a free agent tryout in San Francisco and all I saw was a gym for three days straight. And there was 18 of us by invite out there and there were scouts there and coaches and all we saw was a gym and a hotel for three days, right? And that's all it was, it was nonstop basketball. Well, and what happens in a free agent like that is you either get called or you don't get called, right? So within the 30 days afterwards, it's like if you don't get called, that's not a good sign. And sure enough, that's what happened to me because I didn't get any phone calls. And I'm like, oh, so, all right. All right, so, so you, you didn't get any phone calls uh, in that next 30 days. Yeah, yeah. And so, with, you know, as, as a, a, a young man at that level, even, it's like it kind of affected, it rattled my world thinking, oh, it's just, you know, my worth is not as much and I'm not this. And let alone as a young kid that's going to one of these feature camps that all they're getting is just the, uh, you know, you got to throw out a 92 or you're not going to even be looked at, right? And that kind of pressure and that kind of focus. You know, for me, it worked out simply because I went in for knee surgery shortly after that and found out it was time to get a real job, right? Yeah. I, I, I know I wouldn't have passed an MBA um, physical. There's no way with the knee the way it was. And I knew there was problems with it. And even if I did get picked up, I wouldn't have passed the physical, so I wouldn't have yeah. made it anyway. And basically, they said, well, you can keep playing and not walk by the time you're 40, or you can give it up. So, you know, that was my transition back into the real world at that point. Uh, but your point is, you know, putting all that pressure on a kid to go to one of these high-profile camps, and boy, you've got to throw 92 miles an hour, you're not even going to be looked at, and you know, this and that, and, and there's so much more to it. But you know, just, is- you're, you're, you're not setting realistic expectations for your kid. And this is, what's, this is why it's so important to do what you're doing right now, Andy. Not just for, for baseball, but for any sport, really. Yeah, I think that without knowledge and understanding of some of these concepts, because we can get very, very uh, persuaded into the status quo of what society is telling us to do as far as if we go to this camp or we do this, we're giving our kid the best opportunity. I think a lot of it is just money sucks and they're punching parents in the wallet. By saying, if you don't do this, you're not given an opportunity, which is wild, wild thinking. The kid just needs to go out and play, work on their game, get better on a daily basis. If they have the ability and the work ethic behind it, they're going to achieve at a, a, the highest level possible. You know, just breaking it down in layman's terms of that's kind of all it is, you know. And I think we could both agree on the simpler you keep it, the better off it is, especially for kids who are developing and coming up. And even once you get to higher levels, the, the more they try to complicate things, the more things your brain is thinking, the less productive you are. So I would love for kids of any age, whether it be middle school, high school, college that are you know looking at sports to, to watch our interviews. Not just simply because of, it's my show, but simply to learn from the athletes and hear the stories of these athletes about, yeah, you know, Ray Lewis talks about winning two Super Bowls and being MVP, but he also talks about what life was like after pro sports and what was important to him. 
And, and yeah. so to hear these interviews, you know, your interview and other interviews, and you know, if they go to the website from glorydays.com, uh, they can find all these interviews and find a link to see all these different interviews from these former athletes to hear, because it just kind of plants a seed in their mind then, oh, okay, well, at some point, even if I do win a World Series, right, I'm going to be done at some point. How do I prepare for that? And what do I need to do? And just to plant those seeds even, just to hear these stories. And so they understand that and get that. My whole motivation for writing the book is which, which started all this, Andy. My whole motivation for writing this book was if one athlete could read this book and it helps them their transition, I would be happy. And it's funny because it's turned into so much more. Right? You know, we won an yeah. Emmy from the TV show and I'm speaking all over. And like today I got a speaking gig just about the sh- All they want to hear about is the show and the book. I'm like, okay, I'm not used to talking about that. I'm usually talking about a different topic, but you know, gladly I can talk about the show and the book for an hour. So, um, but yeah, I'd love for people to come there and check out the videos, watch some of those uh, interviews and hear those athletes in their own words talk about what life was like in the glory days, but more importantly, what life was like after those glory days. Yeah, definitely. So get glorydays.com. From glory days. From glorydays.com. Or an easy Yep. Or an easy one is KurtDavid.com. That's my website. Then they can get to the link. Either way, you're going to find those TV shows. KurtDavid.com or FromGloryDays.com. Can they get access to the book there also, or do they need to go to Amazon or something like that? They go to our website, KurtDavid.com. You can order the book directly. In fact, if you order it from our website, I'll personalize it as well. Awesome. If you want to get a hold of it, they can get it from there. If uh, if somebody out there is listening and has a, a company or anything and, and is thinking, you know, I think some of this stuff would be great for my employees to hear, how do they get a hold of, uh, of you for speaking engagements? Yeah, the best way is go to KurtDavid.com, K-U-R-T, David, D-A-V-I-D.com. You'll see a contact us page. Just click on that link, fill in your information. We'll get right back to you as soon as possible. Awesome. Well, Kurt, I, as always, you're a wealth of, of knowledge and information. Uh, you inspire people on a daily basis. I really enjoy your work and, and what you're doing to, to help people. And uh, with that said, I thank you so much for being on the show. It's an honor and, and a pleasure. No, honor's all mine, Andy. I sure appreciate it. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks, Kurt. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks.